the biggest mistake the business owners make around discounting is assuming that if you do a 10% discount, say that you've only got to sell 10% more of the same product. The reality is that uh, as little as a 15% discount could lead to you having to sell double the number of products and services to make the same net profit. And I'll be explaining a lot more about that during this episode of the podcast. You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Many people believe that the way to entice unsuspecting clients or customers into their business is through offering attractive discounts. So things like two for one deals, 25% off and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, And kind of using using discounts as part of an unrefusable offer is not necessarily a bad thing. And I'm going to talk more about what an unrefusable offer is during this episode. Um, but and, and there's also this commonly used um, uh, term, um, which is where a, a cheap product is used as a loss leader in order to maximize customer lifetime value on the back end. So we attract somebody in with a cheap product, and then we um, hopefully from that point get them hooked onto one of our other products, which then makes more money further down the line. And if you have a highly profitable core offering, then an attractive offer on the front end, um, which you can use to liquidate your own advertising costs, can be a great way to raise awareness about your brand and educate prospective clients. However, the mistake which people make is that they have to offer discounts on their core products, the main thing which they sell in order to get prospective clients over the line. And this, this can be done if it's done in moderation. So um, many business owners, like essentially, they're so desperate for the set to get the sale that they might offer like a, if you buy it now, we'll offer 20%, 25%, 35% off sometimes, you know, or even matching what competitors are charging in order to get clients on board. But this is on their core product. Many small businesses, though, only make a net profit on the bottom line of somewhere between 10 and 20%. So you can see... If you offer a 20% discount off your core product, that erodes all of the profit, the underlying profitability within your business. So that's not a healthy way to do it. Now, there are times when you can potentially offer some kind of a discount. So, for example, if somebody buys a lot, a job, lot of something of it. So um, if if somebody's placing a big order with you, then yes, by all means, you could you could give them some kind of a, a discount as a thank you. But really, you only want to like max that should be five or 10%. And, and really, like, I don't even think it should be 10% because like 5% as a thank you isn't ordinarily like plenty. And most people would appreciate that as, um, as quite a significant saving, especially if they're buying lots of something from you. But the thing is, when um, the reason why discounting is so bad and why it erodes profitability in the way that it does is because if you take a look at a profit and loss account, some money comes in at the top end. So let's say uh, you, now you collect 100% of the revenue at the top end. That 
percent then gets eroded by direct cost of sales and your operating overheads and expenses as the money trickles down through the profit and loss account. And because of that, there is this compounding effect which happens as you spend money within a business. So this is where most people assume that if you offer a 5% discount, you've only got to sell 5% more of the same thing to make the same profit within a business. Well, no, because if you've got 100% of the money coming in at the top and only producing a 10% net profit at the bottom because of that, that compounding effect with expenses and overheads, if you just offer a 5% discount at the top, you've just reduced your net profit by 50%. Okay, let me say that again. If you're pushing a 10% net profit and you offer just a 5% discount at the top, you have just reduced your net profit at the bottom end of that by 50%, okay? So discounting has this, it massively erodes your net profit at the end. And for most small business owners who are paying themselves a, a, a meager salary and then dividends, you know, effectively you're paying dividends out of what's left of that net profit at the bottom end. So if you just all of a sudden like erode by offering a discount 50% of your net profit, that's money that you can't then pay yourself or set aside in a savings account or reinvest back into your business because it's gone in one fell swoop in a single discount. Now, the reason most people don't notice They'll offer discounts in their business, but they don't offer discounts to everybody, okay? If you offer discounts to everybody, you would then look at your profit and loss account and scratch your head going, where's all the money gone? Well, it's gone in discounts. But the reason why most people don't notice how um, erosive discounting is to your net profit is because um, we don't offer it to everybody. So there'll be some clients who are paying for the full amount, some clients who are paying more than the full amount even, some clients who are getting a discount. But all of that money is kind of getting bundled into your, your bank account and into your profit and loss accounts as one job lot. And so those products that, you know, I don't know, there's a, a load of products which you've discounted, sold to clients at a discount, they're kind of bundled in with all the other ones. You just don't notice it because they're buried with all of the money that's coming into in through your profit and loss. If you actually looked at each and every one of the jobs which you do or products which you sell, and did a profit cost analysis on each one of those projects or jobs individually, you then start to work out the ones which are making you money and the ones which are losing you money and the ones which are breaking even. Nobody does this though. Nobody actually does a cost analysis on individual jobs or products because a majority of us don't have the time. The reason we don't have the time is because we're offering discounts and we offer di discounts with a view that that is going to somehow artificially stimulate a whole load of demand um, for our products or services within our business. Undoubtedly, though, when I see business owners, um, small business owners especially, offering discounts to stimulate demand, the demand doesn't actually make up for, you know, the, the it doesn't all of a sudden double the sales, for example. You know, and we'll put out like a 20% discount and we're expecting like loads of demand, but it doesn't double our sales. Um, it, 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 we end up with kind of the same number of sales, but now we're just selling the same thing at a discounted price. The theory behind this and why that happens is because, uh, and this comes back to basic supply and demand economics within a business. The idea is that um, if we offer a discount, it's going to stimulate demand. What actually happens is uh, it, it, it doesn't stimulate demand. When we sell something 
for cheaper than what we were selling it at before, what we've inadvertently done is introduced a whole heap of supply into the marketplace. When there's a load of supply into in the marketplace, it actually reduces demand because there's now loads of it. It's no longer a scarce resource. Or a, it, it, it's now a commodity. Stack them high, sell them cheap, and we've got to sell loads of them in order to in order to kind of get rid of that extra supply that we've created. The reality is like when you've introduced a whole heap of extra supply into the marketplace, most small business owners actually can't handle that amount of extra supply especially in the service client type businesses, coaches, consultants, and freelancers, most of the coaches that I look at and freelancers that I look at are, because they're so good at what they do and they deliver great results for their existing clients, but they're not necessarily, they're struggling maybe with marketing to get more clients in. So they think that that's the thing which is going to um, help them to grow their business, getting more clients. They're, they're still scratching their head at the end of the month going, well, where's, I'm really busy, I've done all this work, but where's all of my profitability? Well, it's actually because you've been selling your products at too cheap a rate, you're working at capacity, you now want to create more demand for your products by reducing your prices and offering a discount, but you're already at capacity. So how, how, can, you, how can you magically create more capacity? And then the common thing is, oh, well, I'll hire somebody to take on the extra capacity. Well, you can't. Because you've discounted, you've introduced more supply into the marketplace, you've discounted, so you don't have as much profitability. Now you can't actually afford to pay for somebody to, to, to deliver that on that extra capacity if indeed there was the demand there in the first place. Conversely to that, if you put your price up, what you're saying is my resource, my capacity is scarcer. So we're artificially reducing the amount of supply of your product or service into the marketplace. We're telling people that it's a scarce resource. If you want it, you're going to have to pay more for it. And in doing so, we create uh, uh, an increase in demand. It's like a seesaw. If you increase supply, demand goes down. If you decrease supply, demand goes up. Both of those um, impact your business and your ability to sell and make profit within a business, okay? Okay. The one goal in business is to make profit. If you discount, you're eroding profitability. Now, if you ask a business owner why they're in business, they will always say, oh, it's because I want to help people. And I'm doing that in inverted commas, bunny ears. So most people say, it's because I want to help people. No, that's your purpose, okay? Your purpose is to help people. The reason why anybody is in business is to make money. So if you offer discounts, you're going against the one reason why you should be in business in the first place, because now you're eroding your profitability. And actually, the numbers are fairly stark. Now, it does depend on what gross profit margins you're actually pushing within your business and how much your overheads and expenses are, what your existing net profit is, and various things like that. But... If you offer even as much as a 15% discount on any of your products or services, you've actually got to sell close to double the amount of products or services that you were selling previously in order to make the same amount of net profit. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If you just put as little as a 15% discount out there as an offer on your core products, you've got to sell double, so 15% discount, you've got to sell double the amount of products or services in order to make the same net profit. So this compounding effect is pretty dramatic. The greater your discounts are, the lower your gross profit margins are, and the lower your net profit are, it's just all going to get eroded that much more quickly. Um, so discounting is really not a good thing. I'm going to contradict some of the stuff which I kind of said earlier on now, because there is a right time to discount 
um, your prices. And essentially, that's when either you have, this is physical products, you have too much stock that you need to get rid of, right, fine, discount it, get it out the shelf. It's better to have that cash in the bank. But you will obviously be losing money through that process. The other the other time is to have, you could potentially have a, a, a strategic um, or find a way to give yourself a strategic edge over your competition. But this is, it can only be done in the short term. So a, a good example of this is supermarkets, for example, when they have a new product range, which they want everybody to flock to their, their stores to buy over their competitor stores in the local area. They'll offer a hefty discount, um, but for a very short period of time so that they get all of the market. Now, they know that they're going to do that as a loss leader. They know that they're going to, that's going to attract people to come to their store. So they come in and they go, oh, I'll have that tin of baked beans that's half the normal price, but then we'll go and buy some other stuff whilst we're in the shop. And that's how they then regain and make more profit back out of it, by having complementary products to sell and upsell to people. So they, they're, they're hoping, basically, that the customer lifetime value is going to outweigh the disadvantages like selling that those products at a loss okay but you need very deep pockets in order to do that and it in in essence i wouldn't as a small business owner i just wouldn't even consider doing that um but at least it kind of you know in terms of like market penetration getting into a market it could it could get you on the map but then very quickly you need to raise your prices with those existing clients in order to build up your customer lifetime value so you make profit and your business um, has a, a fair chance of sticking around for the long term. Um, you know, net, Netflix uh, um, in the early days, for example, you know, when they entered into the movie market, this is back in 1997, um, Netflix was actually the leader in DVD rental um, uh, or sorry, at the time in 1997, the leader in DVD rental was Blockbuster. And Netflix actually started life as a mail order service, meaning that people could order several DVDs from the comfort of their sofa for $14.99 a month. So it had the subscription sort of model based into it. Um, and, and that was similar to sort of the renting three movies from Blockbuster. Um, but Netflix could effectively rent out three DVDs a week for that same price because of, you know, it was just more efficient. Um, and then obviously when they shifted then into streaming online, they could do this like so much more cheaper than Blockbuster because they just didn't have the physical premises as a digital asset that could be delivered online. And when they got all of these clients hooked into the basic sort of the intro sort of model, freemium sort of model with, um, hey, you can have your first three movies for free. Um then they upgraded them into that subscription-based model and away they went. So in terms of like market penetration, Netflix was really easily able to penetrate the market and look at what happened to Blockbuster. You know, Blockbuster should have gone online sooner. They didn't. Um, and they let the likes of Netflix like go, you know, speeding past them. The other way is to also introduce something called an unrefusable offer, which I mentioned at the start. An unrefusable offer is basically where it means you're kind of um, discounting like an upfront product, knowing that you a percentage of those people are going to, um, once they've bought into an upfront cheaper product, that they're then going to go on and buy your core product. So this needs to be something which is, um, uh, it's, it's free or cheap um, to deliver multiple times, that it doesn't have the significant cost attached to it. It creates a tangible quick win for your client to demonstrate the value of your core product. Um, and, it, and it can also be, um, easily switched off if the if the client chooses not to not to take you up on your core product. So what we don't want is like 
necessarily clients to benefit from. We don't want them to have all of the value from that initial sort of intro offer, that unrefusable offer. Um, but we want it to be attractive enough that at least they try it and then go on to see, can then see the value in the core offer. So a good example of this is like if you took a, I don't know, a Facebook ads agency. So the core product could be like a, um, a monthly Facebook ad service um, or, or a six month Facebook advertising campaign that's three grand, 3,000 pounds, for example. A lot of business owners may see 3,000 pounds investment in Facebook ads as being a big like investment. And they may be worried about whether it's going to work for them or not and various things like that. But a, a good unrefusable offer in this example would be, well, how about we generate the first 10 leads for you for free or for a heavily discounted price? So it might be, listen, you pay 99 bucks and you get your first 10 leads for free. What If that works, then would you be up for committing to the 3K program where we'll get you 20, 30, 50 leads a week, for example, on, you know, ad infinitum? And so, an enthusiast, like, and that also means that the the Facebook advertiser, the agency, has got skin in the game now, um, uh, because they've got to come up with the goods to get you those ten leads. Um, initially, they know that you may walk away at the end of it if you don't get those ten leads through. You need to make sure those leads are good quality leads. And if that all works out, then hopefully that client will go on to invest the full three k over six months to work with you. So there are ways to to have these sort of unrefusable or heavily discounted offers, like highly like they look incredibly valuable um, uh, to an outsider, but they're not they're not so expensive that the person can't buy it. So and they're like they are they are heavily discounted, but the focus is like if we do ten of these like um, packages, like discounted packages, unrefusable offers up front, that four people are then going to go on to buy the three K package. You can work out how much it's going to cost to get those 10 people onto those initial packages and um and then how much it's going to cost you know overall to to get those four clients onto the 3k so the revenue wise it's like well we, we've got 12 grand's worth of business because four went on to spend 3k but it cost us i don't know 500 pounds to acquire those 10 clients in total for example um so that's super important. The other thing as well to look at is price anchoring. So imagine if you lead with a discount now, and this is where now I'm going to counteract what I just contradict what I just said. If you lead with a discount, you're actually training people that you're a discount warehouse. So then when you kind of, if imagine if you lead with a discount and now all of a sudden then they've got to pay the full amount, that could be quite scary to them. So that's just something to bear in mind. Um, the other thing which you'll see, I don't know, like coffee uh, cafes um, do is they'll have three different sized cups of coffee. Um, and the relative price of those cups of coffee, small, medium, large, may only differ by, I don't know, uh, like 30p, for example. But for that, you get an extra 30% more coffee or an extra shot within it. And actually, that that means you're getting a much sort of greater bargain. In a way, it's kind of offering it as a discount, but they also know that once they've got you in, in the cafe, to then just like the cost of adding an extra shot in is nothing. So they make their greatest margin on that extra shot, believe it or not. Um, but again, that's a way to kind of get people through the door. Um, <clears throat> sometimes people get a bit confused about like a um, bit of comparisonitis. So um, imagine if you had, I don't know, three three different watches, for example, where one is £10,000, one is £6,000, and the third watch is £2,000. Like the cheapest watch, the £2,000 watch, is seemingly a bargain compared to the other, the other two. Um, 
and it, but it might be that a majority, and this is where we're still sort of in this price anchoring space, it might be that a majority of a watch company's sales come from the £2,000 watch, but they're kind of only there really as a bit of a smokescreen because they know that it then drives attention to the more expensive watches and vice versa. People may look at the 10K watch and then and then know that that drives attention to the 2K watches. So actually, we've got this ecosystem of products here related to one another. But it might seem seem as though the 2K watch is like a massively discounted uh, when compared to the £10,000 watch. So having different products in your product sort of mix, your product architecture, is also super important um, because people can then sort of um, compare, anchor their price to one product or the other. One thing which really kind of gets my goat, especially around discounting, is um, like where you see value stacks, for example. There's a lot of, a lot of gurus and experts out there that um, I absolutely, and I hate value stacks. It, I, it kind of like, every time I see one, it's a bit like, you know, feel like a little bit sick. But it is important to understand why they exist and the psychology which, you know, uh, sits behind why why these experts use these value stacks in their sales pictures. So you know, and, and basically, so what a va- value stack looks like is where somebody says, "Here's my coaching program worth five grand, and here's my online resources and courses worth three thousand pounds, and here's our swipe files worth five hundred pounds, and here's dinner out with me, which is priceless, and you can have all of that for the knockdown price of just four nine seven. Have you noticed all these things always end with a seven or a nine as well? If you buy it in the next twenty three seconds, so they add in this f- false sort of scarcity when you know that you could phone them up like in a year's time, and they'll still be selling the same program, course, swipe files, and dinner out. You know. Um, but I, you look at it and you go, is all of that, like you tot up 5K, 3K, 500 pounds in prices, is is all of that actually worth 8,500 pounds? Like why on earth are they selling it for 497? Um, and the thing is like the, these bundles work when you're selling these like related products. Uh, they have something called perceived value built within them. So we have this high, highly perceived value of, uh, coaching program, online resources, swipe files, and all of the stuff that these experts are selling us. So our perception of that value is that they are potentially worth £8,500. But um, really, we see these value stacks like you know bundled in there because they're, they're typically intangible digital products. Um, and actually, it doesn't cost any extra. Like It doesn't cost another £8,000 to uh, for each one that they deliver, they're like they're typically free or cheap to keep on like selling them and selling them and selling them. Um, and I think that actually buyers are now a lot more sophisticated. So, like me, when you see a value stack, you're like, oh, here we go again. Um, you know, internet marketing has been around for like thirty plus years, um, and and I think even like from five years ago, markets, you know, um, as buyers, we're much more sophisticated than we were. Um, I don't think as well when you see these value stacks that um, the the buyer necessarily understands like what value really is they're getting. And um, when they sell you this value stack for 497, basically what they're ultimately going to be doing is upselling you at some point down the line. So they try to use the value stacks to make it look super attractive like an unrefusable offer, knowing again that they're going to upgrade you into some kind of one-to-one coaching or something like that further down the line. But I think we all know that it's very much like a um, bait and switch sort of thing. 
Um, so there we go. So there's some of my views on on discounting. Uh, like I said, just to kind of summarise that, um, you know, people make the mistake of offering discounts with a view that it's it's going to somehow artificially stimulate and increase the amount of demand that there is for a particular product or service. Invariably, what happens though when you discount something, it introduces a whole heap of supply into the marketplace, which devalues it. Remember, it's like a seesaw. We increase demand, supply decreases. If we decrease demand, supply increases and vice versa. Um, so what we actually want to be doing is we want to be putting our pr prices up, uh, which reduces supply into the marketplace, which naturally makes it more attractive and increases demand. Um, discounting massively erodes your bottom line, your underlying profitability within the business. Uh, a 15% discount means that you could have to sell double the amount of products or services in order to make the same net profit that you were making before. Most of us don't have that level of capacity. Certainly, if we did have the capacity, i.e. we'd have to hire more people, we probably couldn't afford to hire those people because we're not making as much profit. But it is okay to have some kind of an unrefusable or attraction offer on the front end, which appears like heavily discounted, uh, in order to get people through. So uh, another example of that might be uh, I don't know, a hairdresser, for example, or a barber uh, running some Facebook ads to say your first cut is free, your first haircut is free. Or if you come in for a, uh, a cut and blow dry, we'll color your hair at the same time for free. Or we could do 40% off your first cut, for example. Now, and, and that they know that if they do enough of those, the, a percentage of those clients are going to come back and have their haircuts ad infinitum done at that same barber's for the next 10 years, um, but at full price. You know, um, I know that there are barbers out there who do cuts for £10. I pay my barber £20. I've been going to see the same guy for years and years and years because he does a great job, plays great music, fills me full of amazing coffee. Um, and we have a great laugh. We talk about surfing and stuff like that. And I would always rather pay over the odds for something knowing that I'm going to get a great level of service than under the odds for something uh, because most people talk about the stuff where they have a poor experience. Businesses who discount their core products invariably can't deliver the same level of service or quality of product as those that are charging more. And as consumers, the one thing which we always share on social media is more like we're eight times more likely to share a bad experience than we are sharing a good experience. So if, if you're discounting and now you can't afford to deliver a good quality experience or good high, high level of quality products to your customers and something goes wrong, they're eight times more likely to talk about it. This all leads from discounting. Now, most people don't actually realize that they're offering discounts in the first place. So pricing wise, they go out and look at their competitors and they, they, Go, they, they do an average of what their competitors are charging and they go, oh, well, I'll, ch I'll go slightly under that because that will make me attractive to potential clients, customers. Uh, what they don't actually realize is that what they've just done there is discounted their core product by being the cheap, one of the cheapest in the marketplace. They're just not calling it a discount, but that's what they've done. And then they scratch their heads going, why am I not making enough money? So there we go. If you found that interesting and you want to know a little bit more about pricing, specifically for your business, you can book a 30-minute diagnostic call with me. Uh, my name is Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. How you go about booking that 30-minute diagnostic call to have a chat about your business is you go to fearless.biz forward slash app, A-P-P, app, um, and uh, you put in a few details into there. There's a short application form. And then we'll have a diagnostic call with you where I will personally go through and look at 
one or two of the biggest challenges that you face in your business right now. We'll also dig into your core products and look at how you might be able to deconstruct and rebuild your offer, make it slightly better and perhaps charge a little bit more for it. Um, And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes as well, because it just gives us a little boost in the iTunes algorithms. And hopefully we'll get a few more downloads as a result of that. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Robin Waite. This has been the Fearless Business Podcast. I'll look forward to catching up with you on the next episode.